Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. I'm going to start today with an apology um, to the people of the Late Breaking F1 podcast because it turns out that my sources weren't entirely accurate on this Lewis Hamilton issue. Um, It turns out that Lewis Hamilton will not be racing in DTM in 2021 to the shock of all of us. He's actually re-signed with Mercedes to race in F1, so... I apologise for the misinformation on that, but we push ahead. Sam Sage, Harry, how are you guys doing? I'm quite sad now you've mentioned that. I assume he'll just be going there next year um, to really assert his dominance. He's a bit more training as Lewis Hamilton, not had too much experience behind the wheel of a race car. So um, it's good to see him taking a bit more time to prep. Yeah, Ben, out of interest, who are your sources? Uh, you've got um, Tomato, um, HP. Uh, Look, I teed that that pun up so easily. Then I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you bought it. <laughs> Heinz, Harold Frankson, we're going to do one. there we go. And that'll do it for today's show. Um, all right, we've actually got some some F1 things to discuss. So we're going to be looking at quote unquote sprint race Saturday, an idea that's been generated by the FIA that's going to go to a vote. We'll be discussing uh, what we think about that one. Uh, There are eight circuits on the 2021 calendar that don't have a spot currently on the 2022 calendar. We'll be saying whether they should keep those circuits or whether they should bin them off. But first of all, it only seems natural to start with the saga that has finally and arguably... um, Fine, yeah, it has come Get to an words end. Out, ben. Come it, on, look, I, it, it's been a long time, and I can't believe we finally got to this point where Lewis Hamilton has signed a contract for Mercedes in 2021. It was only a one-year deal, um, so not what Mercedes were looking for in terms of a multi-year deal. It does mean officially at the moment none of the Mercedes drivers are signed up for 2022 onwards. So uh, the deal has been done, but perhaps not to what Mercedes like. 
Sam, who's the winner of this negotiation period? Well, first things first, in the words of Ainsley Harriet and the legend that he is, this makes the driver's uh, market next season hot and spicy. I mean, it is really cooking up a storm for the kind of silly season slash winter period next year. The fact we've got Russell, Bottas, Hamilton and a few other drivers around the market not signed up for longer than a year to go. I think I think we thought this year was crazy. I think next year is going to be absolutely crazy. It's going to be bonkers. Um, Mercedes have got it all, haven't they? they? They've got all those world titles. They are the most successful team in terms of historic achievements in a row. And now they've got the world's best drivers sat there at their disposal when they want to do anything they can. Hamilton, I think, is a little bit unsure about the dominance that Mercedes is going to carry into the new era. I think with the lack of spending, uh, the change of development, how well some of the middle ground teams have done on that lower budget. You know, Aston Martin Racing Point have done very well historically with that lower budget. I think that he thinks Mercedes aren't necessarily going to be the force that we've seen. So maybe he wants to retire anyway. Maybe he wants to hit that eighth title and walk away. Maybe he's so sure that, you know what, he can carry on the I've won a racing every single season of my entire career. So I think he's going to wait and see. Um, of course, Mercedes also have George Russell in the waiting. And they don't want to keep him at Williams for too long. He will leave that program. He will go somewhere else. He is better than a back marker team. And it's, it'll be good to see him move up. I think he'll get that chance next year, regardless of what Bottas or Hamilton does. I think Russell will take one of those seats if he has a good season this year. I think Bottas is gone. And I think the only way Bottas stays is if Norris doesn't want to go to Mercedes. Because Norris is obviously managed by Toto Wolff. And the McLaren-Mercedes partnership, I think, opens that door for Norris to move up there. You have a Norris-Russell-Mercedes lineup, Or they literally can't find anyone else in the paddock that is willing to drive that Mercedes. Which somehow, I don't see happening. The only thing Bottas has under his belt is the fact that he is an experienced Mercedes driver. He knows that team. That is it. That's all I can see going forward. But a new era, Bottas hasn't exactly, you know, shown success. He, he hasn't done what Rosberg was able to do. Um, he is the least successful Silver Arrows driver of all time, pretty much, which is not the best, you know, accolade to have. So I think Mercedes have got all the cards in their deck. I think that they can pick and choose who they want. Worst comes to worst, they end up with Russell and Bottas. Not a bad lineup. They can have Russell on Norris. They can have Russell on Hamilton. I think... Either way, they're going to be looking pretty good for the next couple of years. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think there's a winner in this negotiation between Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes? Um, I think I think both parties have done pretty well. I know Mercedes might have hoped for a, you know they don't tend to do one year deals with Hamilton; they do them with Bottas, but um, they'd like to snap them up for for longer. But there is that commitment in the contract about uh, you know. Um, improving diversity etc within f1 in mercedes and even if he's not driving that car i think it'll still be around the mercedes fold um but in terms of mercedes i think they're they're they'll still be happy because either way as sam's already mentioned they've got so many options for 2022 i think i think if hamilton does leave i think bottas is still relatively safe because i can't see them going for an all-new lineup i know they you know russell's a known quantity now but it's quite a big move for like the reigning world champs, as we assume they will be again this year, to go for a, a new, a brand new lineup. Um, so I think it could be Bottas, Russell, could be Hamilton, Russell, could be Hamilton, Bottas again. Uh, who knows? So I think for them, they've got so many options on the table now. Yeah, and we have to go through this all over again next year, aren't we? It's going to be just. We'll be this time next year. We'll be like and. 
Hamilton's either signed again or he's retired or who knows. Um, yeah, I think both parties will be relatively happy. I think it gives Hamilton an opportunity to go for his eighth. Um, you know, there's every possibility this could be his could be his last year. Could go for the eighth and leave, or he might want to stay and do the new the new regs. Who knows? But um, yeah, I don't think this is a, a bad deal for anyone. But Ben's probably going to prove me wrong now. <laughs> I was just thinking how, Sam, you must be salivating at the thought of Bottas being in the Mercedes for yet another season, right? That's all you've all you've ever dreamed of. I love um, that porridge man <laughs> driving a Mercedes. Bring it on. Right. So, I, I mean, arguably both sides have won this to a degree because a deal has happened. You know, if a deal hadn't have happened, they'd have both lost out and in the same way that the, a deal has happened and both of them have won to a degree. A best, the best driver on the grid is driving the best car for the best team. And if that combination is in force, then everyone who's contributed to that being a factor has won, you know, ultimately. So I don't think either of them have necessarily lost this. I think between them, Lewis Hamilton has definitely won out of the two parties here. Um, we heard sort of last year, Toto Wolf definitely did not want to get Lewis Hamilton on a one-year deal. Uh, he said, I think everything should be done this year. Of course, that didn't happen anyway, but um, I don't want to go into another negotiation mid-year next year, which is ultimately what's what's happened here. So Mercedes have not got him on the deal that they want, but they've got him, uh, and that's got to be worth something. Um, I, I think a compromise probably would have been two years. I, I imagine Mercedes would have wanted to snap him up on a three-year deal. Um, Hamilton, clearly clearly, this is Hamilton-led. It's quite ironic that we've got Hamilton and Bottas on the same deal in terms of length. However, the ways in which they've got to those deals are completely the opposite scenarios. Bottas's contract is completely Mercedes-led, whereas Hamilton's contract being one year is completely Hamilton-led. They're on the same deal, but completely different reasons why they're there. I think, you know, Lewis Hamilton has won this just because he's got the flexibility at the end of this year to do whatever he wants to do, as you sort of referenced already, Sam. And flexibility is good for a driver. You know, you could say if he was less integrated with Mercedes or less successful, you could say, well... A longer term deal means he's got more security and it means he's got more of a chance to embed himself in the team. Lewis Hamilton doesn't need to worry about those things, given his success and, and given what he's able to do. It, it, from Lewis Hamilton's perspective, you know, those those aren't factors where they would be for other drivers. I think the, the problem here with Mercedes uh, and the situation that they're now in is that they have rivals who have got more of a future lined out than they do. Max Verstappen is there until 2022. Red Bull, of course, that is. Both Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz are going to be at Ferrari in 2022. They're locked in for the next two years. You know, you've got um, the uh, the McLaren team. They're locked in for 2022 as well. Uh, Alonso, you've got plenty of these drivers that are signed up for the next few years. And Mercedes are in the position right now where they don't know what their lineup is going to be next season they haven't got either of their drivers confirmed and I would argue that one of the things that has meant Mercedes have been so strong since they've returned to Formula One 10 years ago is their stability and it is their um, transitioning between drivers they've had four drivers in the last 11 years 
that's that's literally the definition of stability. And when they've needed to bring someone in, they have been more than ready to be in that position, and they've never done two at a time. You know, Rosberg was more than ready for when he made that switch. Um, you know, and and Schumacher, of course, he was he was ready. He's Michael Schumacher, and, and Lewis Hamilton was already a world champion when he joined. Valtteri Bottas was nowhere near that successful, but he'd done a number of years at Williams prior to moving. So, you know, there's always been this transition period, and I always see it as sort of these stages where you have a driver. Let's take Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen, where they have that integration time in the team. Charles Leclerc specifically, you know, gets to learn the ropes at Alfa Romeo Sauber for a year moves into the Ferrari seat as the number two driver, doesn't have too much pressure to begin with, takes on that number one role as he has done, even if it wasn't intended to be that way. And now he's got time to hone his skills, very similar to the Verstappen transition as well. Verstappen and Leclerc are both at the very end of that transition period. George Russell's right at the beginning of it still. And that has a real risk catching up to Mercedes at some point in the future. So that's why... You know, two one-year deals here isn't perhaps brilliant for Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton, I think, has won out of the two parties. But for me, the biggest winner here is Valtteri Bottas because Bottas is the one that brings that stability. Yes, like I say, he's on that one-year deal, but that's not out of his choosing. That's out of Mercedes choosing. If Hamilton signs a three-year deal, I can't see any scenario where George Russell or someone else is in that seat next year. Probably Russell. Because at that point, you've got at least two years where Hamilton and Russell are teammates. And if Hamilton wants to go at the end of those three years, Russell's already had a few years at Mercedes, about five years in Formula One full stop, and he's ready to take on that to take on that role. What do you do now? He's only got a one-year deal. If you don't know if Hamilton's sticking around for next year, how can you... You can't make a decision on Bottas because if you, if you kick Bottas out and then realise Hamilton's not going to be there either... Do you really want to go into 2022 brand new regulations with a brand new lineup? That doesn't seem very Mercedes. So I actually think Bottas' stability here might might be a big factor for him gaining maybe one more year out of that seat. Yeah, I think it makes sense to have Russell go alongside one of the two current drivers, um, especially if you're going to be in a world fighting car, world championship fighting car. Bottas, well, I mean, what's he got to do really to kind of get himself a deal that's longer than one year. Has he got to win the championship? Has he just got to continue finish second? I mean, a lot of people argue he's done everything he needs to do realistically to bring home the Constructors title for Mercedes. But I think he'd be a semi-good mentor for, for Russell should Hamilton choose to leave. And I think it all comes down to Hamilton. I think Hamilton has more power than Mercedes here, really. Um, Mercedes will want to keep Hamilton regardless. Why wouldn't you want to keep the, the GOAT in terms of statistics in your team? Um, so I think that... Hamilton gets to dictate the play regardless of what happens. If he goes, then Bottas has almost got another year to, to make it work at Mercedes. If he, if he says, I don't want to go, but then Russell goes, well, I don't want to be at Williams anymore, Bottas gets the boot. So it's very interesting that Bottas essentially is waiting for everyone else to make their decision before he gets to say what happens to his own career, which kind of sucks for Walter because he's a very lovely guy. Um, so it'd be a shame if he does get ousted, but I guess that's how Formula One goes. I mean, on on paper, and it's a good thing that Formula One isn't run on paper, but Tom. it seems as if Lewis Hamilton's got a fairly easy run to the championship, at least comparatively to other seasons. In that, you know, the, the car is is not going to be radically different from 2020, and it was very good in 2020. So, um, Harry, do you think there's more of a risk he'll leave at the end of 2021 after he's potentially won a record-breaking 
eighth championship? Um, I think there's there's definitely a, a possibility. Who who knows? I, if it, now that he signed a one year contract, I think we're all we're going to talk about now for the next year is it is this Hamilton's last year? Um, you know, if it had been a two year contract or a three year contract, we obviously wouldn't be speaking about it. And I think he still has a he still got the, he'll still have the talent and speed at the end of this year to keep going if he chooses to. But um, yeah, maybe he is starting to think. Uh, of you know, calling it a day soon. Who knows? I mean, it, it would be fairly poetic, wouldn't it, to get the eighth title and then and then leave? But you know, there's, I I don't know. I don't know his motivations as to why he didn't want to sign for longer. What is it to do with? Well, we don't know. Is it to do with money? Is it to do with uh, the you know the the ethics in Formula One? Is it to do with the fact he wants to retire? I don't think we'll we'll know that for a long time. So um. It's a strong chance, but there's also a very strong chance he'll stick around and win 10 titles as well. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll just have to wait and see. But at least it gives us something else to talk about, which is always good. Thanks, Lewis. means a lot. Um, so, <laughs> He's done it for us. <laughs> Sam, what do you reckon? Eighth title, retire on the top of his game? Is it is it an option for him? I think that's how I want to go out. Um I, I mean, I, I I don't know Lewis personally. I've only vaguely been hey, in the same room as him once. I mean, I've I haven't been picked up by him like I was Eddie Irvine. Um, you were picked. <laughs> you've never mentioned that. No, have I not? Well, it's deep, more about deep sarcasm. Deep sarcasm, people. I'll get the photo out soon. Um, I honestly, I think if I was you know the greatest driver of all time in terms of statistics, your opinion or not, whatever. Um, I would want to go out on a high. I wouldn't want to end up having all those records and then spending two or three years in a team that might get a podium regardless of how well I drive or my game falls off a little bit more. I don't think Lewis is in it just to make money. And I think there are some drivers that we've had that were great that were in it just to earn a little bit of an extra dollar. Uh, I don't think Lewis cares about that. I think he's got enough. I think he knows that his career is paved for him after Formula 1, whether it be XDNA. Surprise, surprise, it's Lewis Hamilton. Um, or fashion designer Tommy Hilfiger. Um, or whether he goes into some kind of ethical, cultural, environmental role. Who knows? Or maybe he goes into management in sport. He's got his own team now in other sport, extremely, of course. He's got so many options. So I think Lewis will want to go out on the top. I don't think he'll want to be sat around in the third or fourth best team if something goes wrong, just driving. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a chance, and a very strong chance. I'd say maybe 67% of a chance that he wings it this year and walks away from the sport, which will be sad because that will be the end of an era in our sport. But um, I, I would definitely understand if that were the case. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is set up. It is almost teed up for him to win the eighth championship. Like I say, it's not going to be a, a walk in the park. Winning a Formula One ch- world championship isn't that way. But for Lewis Hamilton's ability, given the car, given the team, it seems like a perfect opportunity for him to do that. And then... At the end of this season, he at least has the opportunity to walk away. Um, you know, being on this one-year deal means that if he doesn't like the lay of the land heading into 2022, he can tell them to stuff it and he can walk away an eight-time world champion. Alternatively, if he still thinks Mercedes are going to be very strong and he still has the desire to keep racing, he has that opportunity as well. So I completely understand why he's gone with sort of the contract um, approach that he's gone with. Um you look at drivers in the past and there is a real mixture. If you look at Michael Schumacher as an example, he retires not quite on top, but he retires in 2006 after giving Alonso a run for his money for the championship. If he ends his career there, 
you could argue he he's retired on top. Of course, he came back. Um, did that help his reputation? You know, from did, did that help his legacy at all? I would argue not really. Um, but then you've got drivers like Mika Hakkinen. Let's say he retired. You know, he just retired. Sorry, he's on a sabbatical. <laughs> he's coming back next year. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it. I think he's retired. Oh, um, but he retired in 2001. Um, you know, li- literally just after two years after he'd won the championship. Alain Prost, of course, he retired, won the title and left and never came back. So um, you know, there are instances where, where drivers do retire on top. Um, it'd be interesting. I, th- I think it could... <laughs> Nico Rosberg, another example. <laughs> King of the world. But yeah, it, but then you see like Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen is clearly not bothered that he's racing in his early 40s and and isn't the driver that he was in 2007, um, which is absolutely fine. That's that's his MO and you know, Lewis Hamilton has his own ones. So um, I, I think it could go either way. Well, yeah, that's the future. We can't predict it, folks. So <laughs> let us know what you think. As if ever. We did, if we could, we, we would be doing something else probably. I'd, I'd have a lot of money. If I could predict yeah. the future, I'd have a lot of money. I'd probably be in Formula 1 if I could predict the future, I've got to be honest. I'll tell you what, if, if you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments what you think he's going to do. And if you're, if you're listening on the podcast, get in touch with us on Twitter or whatever. Just, just tell us exactly how you think this is going to play out. And in a year's time, we'll come back to it and we'll pick out the absolute best and worst things that you've said. Thanks for creating a whole video idea for you. Right there. Very great. That's perfect. Um, Sam, you've got uh, something to say about Manscaped. So we've actually got a sponsor. Yeah, and that is because of you lot who have listened to the podcast. So firstly, I know we've got to do the advertising bit um, and we aren't really getting paid. They're just happily sponsoring it and we kind of got a free product to try out, which is very nice. It's because of you lot listening that they've reached out and had a thought. So firstly, thank you for listening. And if you do want to help out the channel, we've got, uh, you go over to Manscaped and when you buy a product, you'll get 20% off if you search for late... 20 put that in your discount box and your little code bit that goes under the, the checkout section so if you want to be streamlined get the podcast to the top or you want to be a lawnmower just like Valtteri Bottas was at the Austrian Grand Prix trim some grass if you know what I mean wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> then um get over to Manscaped their products are quality they actually are, I used it it's over there you can see it oh you can't see it the camera's a podcast sorry folks watch a YouTube again you might be able to catch it it's, it's there um it, it was actually pretty good. I would recommend it. And you get 20% off. So if you do want to help out the um, the channel, get over to Manscaped. Use LATE20, all in capital letters, uh, with the number 20 and not the word 20. And you'll get 20% off. Uh, so thanks, Manscaped. You'll be hearing a bit more from them over the next couple of episodes because they're here with us for a little bit. But much love to you guys and to Manscaped for helping us out. So moving on to what has been dubbed as Sprint Race Saturday. So depending on when you're listening to this, there might well have already been the vote as to whether this is going ahead or not. But at least at the time of recording, um, which is on Wednesday evening, they're going to discuss this tomorrow. Um, So the proposal is that there will be sprint races. They will trial sprint races on Saturdays at the Canadian Grand Prix, the Brazilian Grand Prix and the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. So 
in this proposal. Qualifying would happen on Friday, which would set the grid for the sprint race on Saturday. The Saturday sprint race would set the grid for the main race on Sunday, whilst also uh, giving out some reduced championship points. And then the race would happen on Sunday as per usual. Sam, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, A few different dimensions going on here. The Saturday sprint race sounds like when I have gone to the toilet too late and I've heard the, you know, the formation lap start. Harry, what do you think? Um... (laughs) (laughs) And I have to dash back to that sofa. What I do love about it, right, is we're going to get qualifying on a Friday. So it's more proper competitive action, which I love, right? A weekend of proper competitive action. Practice is fine. It's fun. It could be insightful and interesting. But we're going to have, you know, every single day is going to be something that means something in the championship, which I love. I absolutely love that. The first thing I don't like about Sprint Race Saturday is why have you given it to Brazil, to Italy, and to Canada, three of the best qualifying venues in all of Formula One, especially Italy. Look at the farce we have there. It's hilarious. It attracts loads of attention. We love it. I know that we're going to have it on the Friday, but it doesn't mean anything for the race. We've had another race after that. Um, another positive for the sprint race. I love the F2 sprint race. I think it is great. It works really well. I love that they reversed the, the top eight. And I think that Formula One are looking at Formula Two going, hang on a minute, are they actually the better formula and we're not the, you know, it's like, are we the bad ones? It's one of them moments. Um, and I think that there are some things that F2 do really, really well that Formula 1 don't do so well. I'm not going to write it off. I'm not as negative on this as Ben is, but qualifying is one of the few things in Formula 1 that doesn't need any alteration to be good. Qualifying is a fantastic thing everywhere we go. I love watching qualifying. It's always exciting. I sit there counting down the microseconds on that little timer every lap, being like, point three, point four, point... and I'm watching it intensely. So change the racing first before we change in qualifying. But I haven't seen it happen yet. And it might be a bloody brilliant success. Or it might be like elimination qualifying a few years ago where it immediately got written off and and changed again. So who knows? I'm excited to see how good or bad it goes. I miss elimination qualifying. Cars waiting in the garage, (laughs) waiting for themselves to be eliminated. That was the life. Um, Harry, what are your thoughts on this one? Well... First of all, I don't know who I don't know who needs to hear it. You know, Stefano Domenicali, Steve Sunday, mate, anyone. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with qualifying. There's nothing wrong with it. We don't need we don't need this. Um, <laughs> and I totally agree with Sam. If we are do this, why are we doing it at some of the best tracks we have? That's just bizarre. At least do it at a rubbish one like Abu Dhabi. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm kind of in basically what agreeing with what, what Sam said in terms of you know different action on Friday. I could kind of get on board with, but yeah, on the whole, um, I just don't see don't see the need for it. And you know, having shorter races doesn't make the racing any better. You could have you know you have Le Mans, which is 24 hours, and you get to the end of it, and it's still exciting and it's been exciting for 24 hours but that's because you know the sport is good not because it's a really long race um and you can watch races that are 20 minutes which are which are crap so 
it's not it's not mask it's not going to mask any of the issues that Formula One has by having those shorter races. Um, I think, and we've spoken about this before. But there's you know deeper issues which hopefully will be addressed next year in 2022. Um, but yeah, having short races on a Saturday don't need it, don't want it. Just give me qualifying. I don't like change. He's done a swear in there, Ben. You have to bleep that. Uh, we're on. We're we're, no, we're I, just I in podcast territory bleep. now, so this is all on Harry. He sent them on. Get it off. <laughs> right, Lemon. <laughs> so, I mean, Sam, you said here that I was quite negative on this. When in actual fact, I'm I'm actually quite torn. Um, you know, I'm torn between it being stupid and pointless. It's a really, it's a really difficult one to decide. What is it trying to accomplish? I don't understand. Like you said, Harry, qualifying is great. Why do they keep trying? Why are they so insistent on changing the best thing about a Formula One weekend? Like, let let's pan back to reverse grids. Unfortunately, reverse grids are dead in the grave, or at least. Manakali says they are fingers crossed on that when that was a discussion I was a hundred percent against reverse grids but you know what I at least I could understand the point of them I understood what they were trying to achieve it would mix up the grid you'd have Williams at the front you'd have Haas here and you'd have Mercedes at the back I understood what it was trying to do I didn't agree with it but I understood it here I just don't understand it at all you're you're having a mini race to set the grid for the main race. Here's what you'll achieve. Again, Harry, you've made the point perfectly in that it doesn't change the racing. You could have it over five laps, you know, over 50 laps. The racing is still going to be the same. It's going to be a warm-up race. We already say that you know, Formula One races generally are at their best where the teams can't control the variables. Uh, and they can't, uh, you know, it's unpredictable in the F1 teams, which is why there's been such a push for practice time being reduced. Hey, let's give them a whole race to practice. That seems like a good idea. Mercedes can use this as a warm up race, work out what's going on with the tyres and then execute it perfectly in the main race. I don't think you'd get any more unpredictable results as a, as a result of bringing this in. Also, I can't be bothered to have the the main race and sprint race discussions in future. It'd be like, oh, Lewis Hamilton, he retired with 111 Formula One Grand Prix wins. And he also retired with 16 sprint race wins as well. You can't forget those. Need to add those. (laughs) I don't want to have those discussions. There's only so many hours in a week. I can't be bothered. Leave that out. Um, And also, this doesn't happen all that often, but there's always the opportunity in quality, you know, you, you've got a couple of attempts to put in a banging lap. Um, otherwise, you're out. Or you're, you, if it's Q3, you're in a bad starting group position. You do that on Fridays in this trial. You go into Saturday and you have a whole race, albeit a shortened one, to reverse that and get back into a position where you should be. You know, if, and like I say, it doesn't actually happen all that often. But if someone messes up Q1 and they're out of, wildly out of position... Normally, they'd go into the race at the moment and, and have, you know, they have that race to, to claw it back. In this format, they can do all the hard work in the sprint race. And then once they get to the main race, they find they're starting seventh or eighth. And it's only a few positions behind where it would be anyway. Um, I don't think this is going to improve anything. I think the main reason they're probably going to 
try and introduce this is to bump up the numbers of Saturday viewings. Um, you know, sprint race might be a bit more sexy than qualifying from a from a promoter's perspective, but from a pure racing perspective, I've got no time for this. I'll tell you what I'd like to see is a sprint race. And we've all said it. We've all said it won't work, and I'm aware of that. No, it's not sprinklers before we all jump in. <laughs> yes, they would be great. Um, I'd like to see a driver's race. I'd like to see... A, you qualify in a standard car, an F2 car maybe, um, or a non-modified, non-owned car by a, a supplier. You then start in that position for your sprint race again in the non-modified car. So you're still just driver ability. And then you start the real race on the Sunday in your team car. So Hamilton might be great in that Mercedes. Everyone loves to say, hang on, I can win a Mercedes. But actually you might qualify in 15th place. And finish the sprint race in 13th place. Because let's be honest, Hamilton's a terrible driver. He's got no actual talent. It's all Mercedes. And then, put him in that Mercedes on Sunday, you've got a bit of a belter. You've got something a bit interesting happening. I guess that might show a bit of talent. Might be a little bit different. Might be a bit interesting. You can't use the data on your actual car. The tyres are a bit different. I think that could be a nice way to mix up. It's going to be costly. It's not going to be an easy fix. And that's what they're trying, aren't they? They're trying for an easy fix. And that's what they're trying to do Saturday, not Sunday. Um, But I think that would be a little bit more exciting. Put them yeah, all. Sorry, that's actually. Rem- <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Fine, Renault Clio's is good. Around Cadwell Park as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've just reminded me of a point, actually, Sam. In that they want to cut costs, and they're putting an extra race in. Like, yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I I can't wait for this trial to go ahead and there to be like a first corner smash between five cars and and just yeah, cost saving. <laughs> anyway, I, th- I think I'm, uh, I- I've said enough on that top. We'll move on to our final one, which is the 2022 calendar. So we know that the 2021 calendar, at least at the moment, pending any cancellations, is looking pretty packed. There are eight races that are happening in 2021 that do not have a contract from 2022 onwards. Very simply, we're going to decide whether they should stick with them or whether they should bin them off. So we'll start with a fairly big one. This one's been around for a while. A few people know a thing or two about it. The Monaco Grand Prix. Harry, would you keep this one on the grid? Uh, yeah, uh, look, we don't ever get a good race at Monaco, but I just... I just like it. I just like the track. I like I like F one when it goes there, and you know the race can be processional. Uh, often it is very processional, but um, yeah, I can't bin it as much as my head is telling me you don't need this on the F one calendar anymore. My heart can't let go. So sorry, everyone, but it's got to stay. Have you got Have you got um, Kermit the Frog? Just like bin it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get my hood up because I've got a hat on and headphones, but I look like a road man. Sorry for those on the podcast, you can't see me. I look very distressed with my hoodie. So, I mean, that's one vote for keep then on the Monaco train. What about you, Sam? Unfortunately, me and Yara truly don't get on the same train. Uh, I take a different route to work and it doesn't Idiot. go around the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, the Monaco Grand Prix needs to get in a very big Wilkinson's bin, unless you make these changes. The cars get smaller, they can race side by side, and there's going to actually be some on-track action. Or you install sprinklers and it's always wet. Because otherwise, Monaco is literally, have a weekend off from F1, check the highlights, has anyone crashed? No, all 20 cars have finished, have they? 
oh, right, then, it's exactly the same as it was when it started. It's so boring. It used to be really, really exciting. I used to love the Monaco Grand Prix. It is up there now with Abu Dhabi levels of boredom. Apart from, you can hit a wall. Baku is the improved Monaco. Baku is the better version of Monaco. Well done, Baku. You've improved street racing. Monaco, you're not needed. Unless you change the things that I said, get out of it. <laughs> can you imagine F1 cars going as quick in Monaco as they go down the main straight of Baku? That would be slightly terrifying. I'd watch that then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with keep, but keep it on a shorter deal. Um, for some of the reasons that you've listed, to be honest, Sam, in that we've got these changes coming in in 2022. Put it on a short-term deal, right? Not not these sort of seven-year deals that they give out to some Grand Prix. Put it on a two-year deal or something like that, and let's just see. Let, let's see, does it improve the racing? If these new cars don't improve the racing, I feel as if the F1 community as a whole at that point needs to come together and come to the same conclusion, a sad conclusion, but the conclusion being Monaco's just not suited for f1 anymore which will be a hard pill for many to swallow uh but i feel as if at that point if it doesn't improve what more can be tried um and hey i mean if they do have to do a longer term deal just give it a few years if none of them are very exciting just slip in a replay of the 1996 grand prix and see if anyone notices i reckon they won't i reckon they won't <laughs> olivier panis he spans decades <laughs> It's really wide, boy. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, next track, Suzuka. Harry, keep it or binning it? Yep, absolutely keep. Uh, love Suzuka. Again, may not be have the best races. We had some good races there, but not, not all the time. But I don't care because I love Suzuka. Great track. All tracks should have bridges and the cross over each other as a rule. All so. figure of eight tracks. Yes, All figure of eight exactly. tracks. So Suzuka then. Um, what, what about you, Sam? Keep or, or Ben? Yeah, keep it. 100%. Uh, it's a real driver's track, but it has got maneuverability. It has got wheel, wheel fighting. It's got 130R. It's got a corner that is named after a utensil in your kitchen drawer. <laughs> Spoon <laughs> curve. What, what a name! What a name! Um, honestly, it's got so much history to it, and it still delivers semi-regularly. Yes, okay, not every single race is an absolute classic, but that happens at every single circuit ever. Not every race is going to be an absolute belter, but Suzuka more times than not delivers. It's got a great atmosphere. The Japanese are mad for Formula 1, and they deserve to have their spot, I think. Um, so, yeah, for me, keep it. I mean, could you imagine getting rid of... Suzuka at the same time that Yuki Tsunoda enters Formula One, it would seem like uh, a bit of a waste. Um, Also, Suzuka is a brilliant track. So, of course, I'm saying keep here. Um, I'm not yet ready to stop having the which Degna is better conversation. So we need to keep going there for that reason (laughs) and that reason alone. Every day Um, of my life, I wake up and ask myself. Also, the point about the utensils, I'm spot on. Couldn't agree more. Thank God. Third track. Um, this one has just been announced as being on the twenty twenty one calendar today, and that is uh, Algarve. So, um, what do you reckon, Portimao? Keep or bin, Harry? Keep. We had a great race there last year, uh, and it's a great track. I love a track that has undulation, which I realise is probably why I've said yes to all these tracks so far. But um, 
yeah, tracks that go up and down are a winner. I mean, if they only went up, that would be problematical. Um, Rainbow but... Road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we 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 had, a, we had a great race last year, and there was some great uh, great fighting that wasn't all just DRS assisted, and that track seemed to generate some good good battles there. So, um, absolutely keep. Uh, I think today, even today, there was some rumours that it's going to be announced. I think in that vacant TBC slot. Um, so, but I'm, that, I'm fine with that. Yeah. What do you reckon, Sam? Keeping Portugal as well. If there is ever a track where a man over the age of 40 can throw up a sick switchback, then how does it not belong on the calendar of Formula 1? Also, that crazy track, F1 track should be resurfaced every single season, by the way, because that just brings banter to the F1 calendar. Just have a look at Turkey and Algarve. Uh, Drains exploding, always a bit of fun. Love that. Takes up forever to resurface the whole track. It was brilliant. Me shouting Carlos Sainz leads is never going to leave my life. That is a memory <laughs> I will cherish forever. It was brilliant. It was so good. I loved it. I don't know if it'll ever be as good as that again. But I think with the new cars as well, I think there's so much space on that track because obviously a MotoGP related circuit. I'll have a great ding dong time. And as Harry said, Angelation is always a lovely little extra to throw into any F1 track. So I'm all for it. It should be a regular. There are so many tracks worse than it that are still on the track. Circuit, calendar, that's the word. I'm all aboard this as well. I think Algarve is definitely a keeper. Um, so I, th- I think it's a great circuit. I think it's really underrated as well. Um, I remember going back sort of last year when everyone was assessing their favourite races of the year and their top fives. Algarve didn't get many mentions. It was a, it was a top five race for me. I really think it had, a, it had a great one in 2020. The undulation that you've already mentioned is fantastic. I am keeping this one. There's only seven races last year, so it was tough to have it in your top five, really. Exactly, which makes it even more of a travesty. Um, moving on to the fourth one, we're sticking around in the Iberian Peninsula, but we're moving over to Spain, circuit to Catalonia. Doesn't need a <laughs> Harry, move on. People have been. I'm going to go for I'm... Bin. Yeah. He's kept it short and simple there, hasn't he? I mean, I, they've, I... Made, they've made it worse. They've made it worse. They've got rid of the only corner where you can actually make a feasible overtake on the whole circuit by making it a sweeping corner. It couldn't get worse, but they found a way anyway. Just delete the S in Spain because all it is is pain. I'm sick of it. Catalonia can go in the Bing. They, they can keep it for testing if they want. I'm more than happy if they keep it in that respect. But for actual Grand Prix racing, no. I, I get there's a point here that Carlos Sainz has just moved to Ferrari and you know, Fernando Alonso's back in Formula One. You might want to capitalise on the Spanish. Um, you, know, you might just want to capitalise on that enthusiasm in Spain, but it's not worth it for Catalonia. Sorry. We And now we've got Portugal. We've got something within Iberia as well. So we don't need to go there. just pissed off a lot of Spanish people. Yeah, don't care. Come at me. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, to the good people of Spain. I love you, really. Um, so many of them listening. Exactly. Moving uh, over a bit more, we're going to go to Italy. Imola. Should this one feature on the 2022 calendar, Harry? Yeah, I think it should. Um, purely because I want to I wanna see how those cars... I, I like Imola's track anyway. Um, this current breed may not 
you know, create a really exciting race there. But um, I, I would keep it just, you know, just see how it gets. Like you said with Monaco, maybe a short-term contract, uh, see how it goes with the new cars. If it doesn't, you know, make any more exciting races, then maybe get rid. But I, I'm confident that, that we would. Um, so, yeah, I'd keep that. What do you reckon, Sam? I'm with Harry on this one. With the smaller, more compact cars, I think it's got great undulation. I think last season we had a good race there. Um, it was enjoyable. Strategy played off. Like We got to see a lot of that, that Hamilton, the fact he jumped Bottas and Verstappen by playing that strategy role worked really, really well. It's really exciting to see. It doesn't always pay off at a lot of tracks because of how clear the tracks are. So it's got its perks. It's one of those tracks where if you make a mistake, you you pay for that mistake. It is costly. And I like that. I think that should be the same for every track. And that's why I hate Abu Dhabi, um, which is how I'm going to say it forever. Um, yeah, I'd put it on a two-year, give it a couple of trials with the new car, see how it goes. If it fails, then we've got a lot of other great circuits waiting to be picked up. Yeah, I'm going to say keep. Uh, I won't spend too much time because it's basically for the same reasons that you two have mentioned. Can I just say, though, Alonso, Raikkonen and Schumacher racing at Imola in 2021. Oh, come on. That's so cool. So cool. Ten-year-old Ben is absolutely loving this. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) keep. And I'm going to have to be careful with the pronunciation on this next one to make sure I get it right. But I believe it's pronounced this way. Abudabi. Um, ah yes <laughs> now i can't imagine which way this is going to go particularly if you add an end to the end of dabby you would do get dabin so harry keep or bin bin absolutely bin don't need a boodaby which is the best way to say that now um don't need that in our <laughs> lives anymore <laughs> Um, it's yeah it's just I know they've spoken about making changes and you know theoretically it should you know big long straight heavy braking zone at the end of it it should be exciting but it's just not and I don't know why it's just it's just dull to look at it's a dull track to look at and I hate the final sector and there's a pit lane that goes under a tunnel for no reason Bin I actually think that's kind of cool but, but what? But why? What purpose does that serve? It's the only individual factor that that Grand Prix has, so I think that's why I think it's kind of cool. If a car had binned it in that pit lane, I would say fine. But we've been there since 2009, and no one's done it, and that's just dull and not not playing ball, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's one glowing uh, review. Sam, you going to make it two glowing reviews? A Budabi, a Budabin, a Budabai. <laughs> I mean, if you were to cover the out the runoff of every single corner in gravel, um, make the tunnel exit of the pit lane thinner, and um, I don't know, take it off the F1 calendar, then it might be good. Um, it is like <laughs> the annoying younger cousin of like China and Bahrain combined, isn't it? It's like. Oh, good desert track under the lights. Love it. Looks fantastic. China, great long straight. Good heavy braking. The anting, anting, anting corner is world famous. It's got some good moments in it, right? Weather is brilliant there. Put those two together. You think, oh, hang on. A Budabi. Here we go. No, it's annoying. Send it to bed. Let your mates play. It is, honestly, why is it on it? And why is it the season ender? I hate it so much. Beng, make it stop. A Budabeng. 
I wish I could. Unfortunately, I can't. What I can do is put another bin on the already two bins that have come in this discussion. Um, yeah, it's rubbish. End of point. Number seven. <laughs> Singapore. I'm, I'm not saying it anymore. It doesn't deserve it. Be better. Number seven, <laughs> Singapore. Um, Harry, keep or bin Singapore? Keep. I, I, again, uh, another... If I said... Oh, no, I'm sorry. If I said keep... So, to all of them but obviously not um singapore love that track it's quite long the race is quite long but um it's quite always pretty exciting one to watch it's bumpy love a bumpy track it's quite hot for the drivers so they you know they get quite tired which is you know mistakes creeping hard on the cars um yeah i just wish it would rain a couple more times because the one we had in 2017 that race was ridiculous um but, you know, can't control the weather. Uh, but, yeah, no, absolutely, I would, you know, keep Singapore, I don't, you know, the, the first night race. So it would be a shame to ever see that one go, to be honest. Keep as well, Sam. This is the one I am struggling the most with on what to do with. If, if all of Harry's points came true on a regular basis, I'd be thumbs up for it. So, you know, if you stick on some sprinklers... If drivers did actually get tired, if a lot of mistakes were actually made, if the cars did regularly break down, but they don't, that stuff doesn't happen. It rains once every decade when we have a race there. Uh, Drivers don't often crash into each other. We've had maybe two or three big moments over the last decade we've been there, which is exciting when it happens, but that's about the same amount as it happens in every other race. I love that it is long. I love that it's tiring, but it doesn't have that much of an extra effect on things. Singapore has some brilliant moments. And I'm happy for it to be there because it is not the lowest in the pile. There are a few other races on there that are by far worse. We've spoken about a couple today already. Um, but it, for me, it's also not a major success. So if the new cars, again, go around there well, they're good at you know, passing each other. We get some wheel-to-wheel racing. It does rain a bit more often. Sprinklers, eh? Then I, I, could, be, I could be way more for it. I'm, I'm going to say keep it, but you know, give it a year with the new cars. And if it doesn't impress, I'd be very much on the fence. To be honest, I'm in a very similar position to you, Sam. I feel as if I should like Singapore more than I do. It's it is a spectacle, and it is like in terms of the physical toll on the drivers, it is a challenge unlike any other Grand Prix on the calendar. It has got that uniqueness that Abu Dhabi doesn't, as you, as we kind of just referenced with the last one. I feel as if I should love it a lot more than I do, and I just I never have. And I don't even really understand why. Um, I'm I'm going to say keep because I feel as if more people like this more than I do. Um, and you know it is it is still pretty epic night race. So I've said keep, but if it left the calendar, I really wouldn't be overly disappointed. No, no, I'm with you there, Benny boy. I'm with you there. And the last one, Austin, Texas, Cota in the mm-hmm. USA. What do you say for this one, Harry? Yeah, keep again. I like, I like this track. Um, I, it's, it's built up a bit more character over the years. Uh, it's got a bit bumpier in places. Um, and again, I think we have some fairly decent races there. Uh, yeah, and I think it's important that F1 stays stays in the US. Um the only thing I would say is, can you please put some grass and gravel around the outside? Because I'm bored of Crofty talking about track limits. So, apart from that, stay. What did you say, Sam? Um, 
I keep trying to find positives with Kota. I think the best thing about Kota is either the neon guy or the boxing ring announcer. He's here! We've got him on! Um, Or the boxing ring announcer, to be honest. Kota, it feels like it should be one of those Grand Prix that you look forward to. And it's got a lot of elements taken from famous um, old-school F1 tracks. You know, the S's at the start very much represent... Uh, Japan, it's got that long back straight into a heavy hair feel, it's much like China or Spa um, it f- you feel like you have the right moments, but it never really comes together for an absolute spectacle of a race, the weather there is, you know most of the time very dry um, I, I, we should stay in America America is a massive market for the sport and it needs to be represented, and it's a growing moment football are doing it brilliantly at the moment in bringing America into the fold of, of the world sport and Formula 1 needs to do the same thing but there's so many good tracks in America. Watkins Glen is just in a one that we don't go near. And Kota's just all right. I'm actually going to say get rid of it in favour for another American track. And I'm just over the get rid of it line. But for me, I think we could do better. Yeah, that's essentially how I feel. I'm going to say bin. Not because I necessarily hate Kota. I don't even, would, I don't even say I dislike it that much i think definitely the whole lack of grass issue and lack of uh you know punishment from going wide is definitely the worst thing about the track um but yeah i just think there are so many brilliant tracks in the u.s and i know they are pretty keen to to keep up the the momentum in the u.s and potentially get a second race there in which case you could say well keep it and then add another one but i think america has that many brilliant circuits that you can bin this one and get two brand new ones Watkins Glen and Indy, thank you very much. Caesar's mm. Palace, need to return there at some point. So, oh, Jesus. yeah, well, to park the cars in after the race. Exactly, exactly. I'm forward-thinking here. Caesar's Palace <laughs> Grand Prix 2022. We're going to make it happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a serious point in that. And the, the Indy, I'd, I'd love to go back to Indy. Um, I think it's a great circuit. And I, I mean the sort of infield circuit that... Um, not not the one that F1 used to race on, of course, but you know I think it's actually an improved version of that. Um, yeah, Daytona, what, I'd love to do Daytona. Daytona. Daytona, they could race there. Um, yeah, there's there's a few others. I haven't met Road America. Maybe there's opportunity there. Laguna Seca. I I don't know where else you want to consider, but there are so many great circuits in the US, and I just think the I can't get over the runoff area issue at Cota. It's just. It's so excessive. It's it's Paul Ricard-esque kind of thing. I, I just, I can't buy oh, into it. get that in the bin. Don't thought, care if it's not on the list, but get it in the bin. Well, I'm glad that you've got that swipe in on Paul Ricard before we've left tonight, Sam, even though it wasn't one of the ones. Um, but yeah, those are the eight that won't uh, at least currently be appearing in 2022. They've got a contract to be sorted out. Be very interested to hear what you think on those eight, whether you'd keep or bin them in the same order that perhaps we have. Um, I think we'll get out of here for this one, Sam, if you wouldn't mind doing the honours. Folks, you're either going to go on to Manscaped and use our code LATE20 to get yourself a deal, or you're a Paul Ricard fan. And in that case, don't listen to the podcast anymore. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> I'll be Samuel Sage. Please keep listening. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Harry Eads. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.